And when I come up to that fearful bird, again I have a choice. And I will act in accordance with my character. I should say to that bird, if it could understand, just relax, would you? Just stop struggling because I will take you and care for you and unwrap you and set you free. That's what my character, my nature will do. But if it's an Indian miner, I wonder, a pest, an introduced pest, In Psalm 25, King David is caught in a net and he feels hopeless. In verse 15, My eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare or the net. What is this net that David is caught in? Well, it's a net of loneliness and isolation. If you look in verse 16, Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Have you ever been in that net of being lonely and isolated and afflicted? How can I get out of here? I feel trapped. You see, a big part of this net is that David has enemies, serious enemies. Verse 2, Do not let me be put to shame Don't let my enemies triumph over me. They're out to get me, verse 19. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Now David did have many enemies, if you read through the scriptures. People who wanted to take his throne, overthrow him, do away with him. People trying to set a trap. And we too have many enemies. Now, you may be thinking of your neighbour or your work colleague or someone in your family, I don't know. But I'm not thinking of them. 1 Peter 5.8 Your enemy, the devil, prowls round like a wounded lion looking for someone to devour. your enemy, the devil. There are spiritual forces seeking your destruction. They lie to you. They deceive you. They are testing you. They are turning you away to things that would destroy you. Verse 19. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. That is the case for each one of us. We have enemies who hate us fiercely. They set a trap. They want to capture you in their net. And they will act in accordance with their character. If you are caught in their net, they will destroy you. There is no grace Amongst your enemy, your spiritual enemies, there is no freedom. Yet time and time again, we listen to our enemies, we believe their lies 
and we turn to what they tell us to turn to. We do their bidding. We turn away from God and his will and his purposes. We turn towards the way of the lie, the way of the devil, and we find ourselves trapped. Caught in the net. Struggling to get out. And the enemy's coming to kill us. And we are there on account of our own choices. So who have we to blame? You see, David sees that he is caught in a trap. He's lonely, he's isolated. He has many, many enemies. But you know, David's very aware of the greatest trap that he is caught in in this psalm. And that is his own sin, his own rejection of God, his listening to the lies. And it puts him out of relationship with God. And more than anything else, David says, I need forgiveness. I need the freedom of a fresh start. Freedom from sin and its consequences. Verse 11 really is the central verse in this whole psalm. It's right in the middle. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. That's what I need, Lord. Forgive my iniquity. He's fallen for the enemy's lies. Verse 7, do not remember, he prays to the Lord, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Forget them, please, Lord. Verse 18, look, Lord, on my affliction and my distress and please take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me? So you and I are caught in the same net that David is caught in. The New Testament tells us we're all slaves to sin. Sin which condemns that all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And sin, if we call it that rebellion, that rejection of God, that going our own way and listening to the lies of the devil, it causes loneliness and isolation. It creates enemies for us. Because we be an enemy to God and we be an enemy to other people and the way we treat them. We are, all of us, caught in the way of the unrighteous. And we invite the wrath of God. And here we are talking from the Psalms in a series I've titled The Way of the Righteous. If we are to escape from the net that we're all trapped in, we need to be taken from the way of the unrighteous and placed in the way of salvation, way of the righteous, sorry. For that to happen, we need to find the way of salvation because we need to be saved from this net that we're stuck in. The more we struggle, the more we get trapped. We need to be taken out of this net that we're stuck in of isolation and sin and the devil's tiles and we need to be saved, rescued so that we may walk in the way of the righteous. Psalm 25 is a great a little poem that David writes to show us the way of salvation to get out of the net that we're stuck in. It's an acrostic poem which means it's an ABC poem. Every 
new line starts with a Hebrew letter, not English. Hebrew letter A, then B, and as the letters go in the Hebrew alphabet, which makes this psalm a little bit higgledy-piggledy all over the place in terms of its theme. There's not a solid flow of thought, but the themes are quite clear. So we'll be going bouncing around verses a bit, but I think the themes, the way of salvation that David shows us, I think is actually quite clear in this psalm. It begins with a simple plea. It's a cry. It's the call of faith, the call to God, realising I am stuck, God, and I cannot save myself. I'm going to trust in you. In you, verse 1, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me put to shame. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. You can almost hear David caught in the trap, caught like that bird in the web, crying out to God, which we can do, which my little fish can't do as I catch him. And if he did say something, I might be far more compassionate. And the bird can't say something. But we can call out to God with this call of faith. Verse 16. Turn to me, Lord, and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sin. Verse 20. Ground, guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me put, be put to shame for I take refuge in you. There's a simple call of faith. Lord, will you save me? I'm looking, I'm waiting for you. I can't save myself out of this net, but you can. So I'm going to turn to you and call upon you and trust you. And with that faith, that call of faith is a call of hope, of expectancy, of waiting. Verse 3, No one, Lord, who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. If I'm going to wait for you to rescue me, I, I know the way is going to be okay. Verse 5, Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God my Saviour and my hope is in you all the day long. I will look and I will wait. Verse 15. My eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. So you imagine like take that image of the bird caught in the net and me coming to rescue. If God is coming to save us from our trap, we trust we look, we call, we hope, Lord, come and save me and I'm expectant that you're coming to save me. That's how David starts. That, however, is all dependent upon the character and nature of God because he will act in accordance with his character If I am a 60 centimetre flathead which has particularly tasty fillets caught in my net and he calls out to me, please save me, put me in the water. Well, the fact that he talks might make me much, much softer. But there's a good chance without him talking, I'm going to say 60 centimetre flathead, you're going to be tasty. You're going home. What grounds do we have to think that God, when we call to him, will look at us and say, you're worth saving? In the Old Testament story of the Exodus, in the Exodus, 
uh, you know, the people were rescued out of Egypt from slavery in Egypt. They come to Mount Sinai as the people of God. God gives them his law and says, live this way. And they say, yeah, we'll live that way. This is great. And Moses goes away to be with God. And as soon as Moses goes away, they build an idol and they start worshipping a golden calf. And the first command was, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second command was, don't build an idol. Don't make idols and worship them. And they completely disobey God. Moses comes back down from the mountain. He's horrified. How quickly you turn away from the living God. And he takes these Ten Commandments back to the mountain. He smashes them on the ground. And Moses talks to God and it's a long story. But Moses is called by God back up on the mountain with new Tablets of stone, not written in them, written on them. Moses goes up on the mountain and the Lord reveals his nature, his character to Moses. What is God like? In Exodus 34, verse 5. So, verse 4. So, Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him as he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord proclaimed his name. We might say Yahweh or as that song we sang earlier, Jehovah. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's the nature of God. Slow to anger, abounding in grace and faithfulness and yet the Lord has not finished revealing his character yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations. Your wickedness matters to me says the Lord, that is my character and I will not let wickedness go unpunished. God will act in accordance with his character in mercy, in judgment against sin. Why would God set David free from the net? My 60 centimetre flat head, it has to hope in my character. The rainbow lorikeet caught in the net has to hope in my character. The Indian miner caught in the net has to hope in my character, which can vary and fluctuate, but God's does not. God comes up to, the, to his enemy who is caught in a net. But like me and the Indian miner, What hope do we have that God Almighty will set us free from the net? He cannot bear impurity. He reigns, we do not. We are a servant of the enemy as we listen to the lies. We are on the way of the unrighteous. We may call out to God, we may cry, save me from this predicament, but why should God save The only motivation he has is to be gracious. 
to treat us in a way that we don't deserve to be treated, to refuse to give us what we do deserve from his hands. Why should God do that? Why should I, living in Australia with pesky Indian miners all over the place, displacing all of our native birds, why should I treat that Indian miner with any grace at all and set it free to cause more trouble? What's in it for God to be gracious to you and me? What's in it for God is this, the glory of his name. What's in it for God is to be himself, his character, his nature, his fame. I'm just being true to myself. So David appeals to God's character, which for him is the only basis for his salvation. Verse 6, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember who you said you were to Moses? Remember what you've done for Israel in the past? Verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his way. Verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithfulness, steadfast love and truth, you might translate that. All the ways of the Lord are steadfast love and truth towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. There's that key verse again. Lord, for your own name's sake, for your glory, will you forgive my sins and save me. Verse 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me, Lord, and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Verse 20, guard my life and rescue me. Do not let, do not let me put, be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me. Because my hope, Lord, is in you. I'm trusting, Lord, in your integrity and your uprightness. So we deserve nothing from God's hands. David deserved nothing from God's hands. I've been reading through 2 Samuel and how he finally came to the throne and set up his throne in Jerusalem and there's blood, blood, blood all through those first five chapters. Our only hope is to cry out to God and ask for God would be gracious with us and plead, Lord, would you be consistent with your character, which is not my character. Lord, please come as saviour and overlook my sin. When we cry out, as David does here, we cry out to God in humility in our cry of faith and hope. We take ourselves off the throne, we recognise that you are God and therefore I submit to you and I cry out for mercy. There is a word often used in this psalm that expresses the cry, the nature of the cry that we need and it is the word fear. If we understand who God is, we will fear God. That bird stuck in the net When I come up to that bird to save it, it keeps struggling because it's fearful. 
And the reason it's fearful is because I am much more bigger and much more powerful and I control its life. Really, it has good cause to be fearful. It does not know if I will kill it or set it free. We stand in the same position with God. As we call out to God for help, we need to call out with a sense of humility and reverend fear that we need him absolutely, that we cannot save ourselves. Verse 12, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides, the Lord makes friends, if you like, with those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. God makes friends with those who come to him humbly, verse 9. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. See, the way of salvation, the way of being on the way of righteousness is to fear God. It's not necessarily live with terror, although there's a part of that, because he is, he is in control. It's this awe, it's this reverence, it's this honour that you are God, eternal. And then in your humility, out of your fear, in your subjection, you call out with faith, Lord, I cannot save myself, will you save me? Will you rescue me? Will you set me free from the trap? And that faith is faith in the character of God who is full of loving kindness. And so you can rest knowing that for those who call out of their fear and humility, God will come and set them free. They can rest in the Lord and they can hope for the Lord. They can wait expectantly even though they still feel as though they're trapped. God is coming to save. God will rescue his people. Trust in God's grace. Let him work forgiveness. Let him set you free and give you a fresh start. That's fantastically good news. That is the way of salvation. But there's better news. Because the way of salvation, as I've already said, is actually the way of the righteous. Our series title. To be taken from the way of the unrighteous through the way of salvation is to be taken to the way of the righteous. And there's no other way to get there. God's intention is to save us from our sins, to set us free from the net, to walk in the way of the righteous. And he promises to direct our feet See, there's a change that's wrought. It's all through this psalm. God brings change to those who call on him. David prays, verse 4. He says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour and my hope is in you all day long. I'm going to trust in you. Will you now show me the way to go? on the way of the righteous. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore 
he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right. He teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. God is going to rescue me and put me on a new way and teach me in that new way. He hasn't rescued me from the snare to put me in another snare. He's rescued me from the trap to set me free on the way of the righteous. Verse 12. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confines or the Lord makes friends with those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this parent land. I am weak, but you are mighty. Lead me with your powerful hand. Show me the way of the righteous now that I have trusted in you. My expectation, verse 21, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me. Your integrity, God, your uprightness, may they save me and now on the way of righteousness, as I walk that way, may my integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. In Psalm 25, the way of salvation is to be taken out of the way of the unrighteous through the way of salvation and led to walk in the way of the righteous. The one thing we're not told here is how. God is merciful. God who will punish iniquity. God who is merciful and compassionate. God who is going to rescue those who call to him, but how does he do that and punish iniquity and act true to his character? Well, there's a hint at the very end of the psalm. I told you this is an acrostic psalm, an ABC psalm. Verse 22, the pattern breaks down. The alphabet's over. Verse 22, I think, is a summary of the whole psalm, the conclusion Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. That word deliver is very often, perhaps most often, translated ransom or redeem. If you've got another version, you might see it translated that way. It's the same word we find in Psalm 49. Speaking about wealthy people, no one can redeem the life of another or give God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. What payment can you give, a man give? It doesn't matter how wealthy they are so that our sins are paid for so we can live on eternally. Nothing, says that psalm. No payment can ever be made with money Go back to Psalm 25. It finishes, Ransom Israel, O God, from all their troubles. The very same word. What price can be paid so that God can do this work of salvation? What does it cost? 
as we continue the Bible story, we discover the weight of that cost, the expense of this way of salvation. How much was given so that God could punish iniquity and be merciful and compassionate? How much was given was the price of God's own son, Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, bore the judgment. He paid the ransom price. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And this baptism pool here models it beautifully. As Eliana came into the water, she shared in Jesus' death, Lord Jesus, she said, I love Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. His death was good for me. His resurrection was my life. And she was placed in the water, symbolically saying, Jesus died for me. And she came out of the water, symbolically, I have been forgiven. I have been cleansed. I have been cleansed to walk the way of the righteous. This is the way of salvation. This is the way of the righteous in symbol. It's by trusting in Jesus and accepting the ransom he paid so that his death is my death. His punishment, undeserved, is my freedom, undeserved. The Son of God dies so that you and I might live. Jesus is our Redeemer, our ransom payment, our gracious Lord. And in light of that, when we are stuck in the net of isolation with enemies surrounding us and pressures pushing us in and our own sin bringing us folly and stupidity and pain and separating us from God, the way of salvation is to trust in Jesus. Say, you are my Lord. Your death, all those things Ellie said, I love the Lord Jesus. He died for my sins. He was raised for my righteousness and eternal life. And I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. That is the way of salvation, which is to be placed on the path to walk the way of the righteous. That is Psalm 25 fulfilled. Psalm 25's mysteries satisfy. And Psalm 25 actually becomes a new song for people like Eliana Han. It's a song to be sung with hope. Because, you know, it's not easy on the way of the righteous. It's not an easy road. You walk on the way of the righteous, you follow Jesus, you will find that the enemies still hunt you down and you have new enemies trying to lead you off the path. You will find that you still give in to the enemies at times and they put us to shame. And our hearts get torn apart and we get plagued by doubts. Am I good enough? Does God still love me? But we never walk alone. 
It symbolized, Ellie symbolized, I am united with Jesus. She was united with him in his death as she went into the water. She was united with him in his resurrection as she rose from the water. And as she walked out of that water, she's still united with Jesus. Despite the enemy's lies, despite the insecurities of her own heart, despite her failings, she is still with Jesus. As is every one of us who has ever made that profession of faith. We walk the way of the righteousness, not in our own strength, but with Jesus as our Lord. We're still cleansed, not by our own goodness, but by his goodness. And we shall live forever. We do not walk alone. He goes with us. He carries us in our weakness. He upholds and restores us each and every day. He has promised and he gives upon us his spirit to teach us in his way and to lead us home to security and peace and joy forevermore. And my great hope is, particularly if you've, maybe you've come here to see Ellie get baptised, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you've been here many, many, many times and this is just one of these silly religious symbols. My hope today is that you would see why the heck this young girl bothered to get wet today. And that you would be prepared to say, you know, maybe I should give my life so that I can be saved from the snare and the trap that I'm in. And if you don't want that, my suggestion to you is that you just keep struggling. Because the more you struggle, the more you'll be trapped. And the more you'll need a saviour. But I'm going to keep struggling. Keep going. Keep saving yourself. Because the more you try and save yourself, the more you'll be trapped. And the more you'll need a saviour. And I hope that you'll see one day that your only hope is to cry to Jesus and have him save you out of his grace and love and mercy. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for sending us a saviour. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, your loving kindness, that you are abounding in kindness and goodness and compassion. Thank you also, Father, that you don't ignore our sin and our rebellion, that evil matters to you. Thank you you have provided a way of salvation in Jesus and help all of us who know you, Lord, to walk the way of the righteous, to walk with Jesus and to be filled with his spirit, we ask in his name. Amen.